It's been said that nothing is more financially educational and entertaining than the total financial hour, except possibly two total financial hours. <gasps> you don't mean? Yep. The Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby is now two hours, Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Oh my gosh! Great Scott! Learn about your financial power. The Total Financial Hour, uh, two hours with host Arif Halaby, Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM 870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services. And Total Financial Solutions Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halabi, California Insurance License zero B nine three seven nine two of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License number zero F two two four seven seven, provides retirement income strategy. Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being part of the show. I'm Eric Halliday, the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM 870, The Answer. Hey, every week at this time, we try to bring you our show. Uh, our live show is about a few things. One of those is trying to keep up, my goodness, with what's happening both in the political sphere and how it affects you financially, like what's taking place with your retirement accounts, what are the choices, what are the options. Uh, after the first hour of the show, the second hour, the top of next hour, I have your emails, a couple of them, uh, very interesting because I start to see trends, start to th see things that are happening, and you get a chance to hear those two emails uh, at the top of the hour. All right, as we continue with this hour of the program, I'm going to go over a couple of things with you. Uh, I think you're going to have to change the way you fight fire with fire. Like, you ever hear that term, fight fire with fire? What does that mean? It means if they do this, you should be doing the same thing. Right? The opposite of fighting fire with fire is bringing a knife to a gunfight. The opposite of fighting fire with fire is maintain your uh, professionalism and dignity and don't stoop to their level. That's the opposite of fighting fire with fire. I'll give you a good example. The, the fighting, uh, uh, the uh, not stooping to their level. I'm trying to think of the right word, but let's think of it like this. The maintaining decorum, being professional. I, I appreciate all those things. But the opposite of that was John McCain, Mitt Romney, Bob Dole. Failure, failure, failure. The personification of fighting fire with fire, stooping to their level, taking a gun to a gunfight, right? Uh, Donald Trump just was, right? The, <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell says, oh, he looks like that, da, da, da. and he called her. All sorts of names, didn't he? Wasn't afraid to use her physical appearance, her appearance, her her obesity, her her ugliness, whatever he wanted to call it, or whatever he chose to say. He used it against her, didn't he? Because she 
started it using his appearance against him. You see, a person of decorum like John McCain, Mitt Romney, Bob Dole would have said what? Well, you know, I'm just not going to stoop to their level. That's why those men are losers. Nice people, war heroes, both Bob Dole and John McCain for sure. Mitt Romney, kind of a milk-toasty, wishy-washy, rhino. I don't know. Uh, Listen, I did what Dennis Prager did. I I voted for him. I stood up for him. I put him on on my radio shows as far as his supporters. We wanted him to win because, of course, the alternative at the time was, was horrible. So, of course, that's what you did. But fighting fire with fire, standing up to the bad guys, doing what they do, is not a conservative value. It's not something that conservatives ever did until six or seven years ago when Donald Trump came along. That's the that's what the left is afraid of. You see, they only want to be the ones that are bringing a, a, a gun to a knife fight. They, they want to always have the upper hand. They want to have the media who call people names, who who shout out at protests. And then when somebody like AOC is up and the, the crowd starts screaming at her and yelling at her, they go, oh, look how unprofessional. But when Antifa comes to your dining room uh, at, at your favorite restaurant, right, outdoor dining area, and they start screaming and yelling with bullhorns and interrupting the meal of everybody, some of them that certainly didn't vote for this person, some of them that would have been sympathetic Except they didn't fight fire with fire. The conservatives said, oh, well, we're going to back down. So now take it to the the Bud Light controversy. You see, this affects your retirement because if the mutual funds, stock bond, mutual funds, investments, things that you own contain BlackRock, Nike, Bud Light. If you spend your money at the NBA then you have to ask yourself, why why are you not fighting fire with fire? Right When the Jewish people in the, the ghettos in the late 30s and the early 1940s, when they were attacked, there was very few Jewish people that took up arms. There were some, there were many, but compared to the whole, not even close. They said, listen, we're just going to do what they said because we're obedient, because we're good citizens, because we're going to listen, we're going to obey, because that's what you do. That's the law. That's the right thing to do. But now when the other side isn't playing fair, right? the reason there are umpires on a football field or a baseball diamond or a hockey rink is very simple because they're supposed to be the arbiters of fairness. In our world, it's the media. Okay, the media has left the building. They are no longer fair. They no longer stand up, challenge power. You have a few, Glenn uh, Greenwald, a liberal, Matt Taibbi, Democrat. There's a few that say, wait, 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 wait. You guys, some things are happening. There's problems. There's some issues. And so when you don't have that, when you have the Drew Barrymores of the world, I won't watch another film of her. She's as nutty as a $3 bill. Bowing to drag queens, excuse me. A man tries to, to kneel to pray for his football team on the football diamond, quietly. Very few people compared to what sees the television show. 
And yet the world says, oh, I can't believe he's praying. Drew Barrymore does it and everybody watches and, and applauds her. You see, so, so what is the equivalent moving forward? It's not being violent. But whatever they do, you do. Uh, right? They, they boycott. They go out. Remember what they did to Dr. Laura when, when she stood up and, and said her opinion on something? Boy, they went after her. The left wing, the progressives, the far left went after her, didn't they? We're going to make you change your mind. We're going to chase you off of radio so that you cease to exist. And so the people that didn't act uh, with courage, we call them cowards. The cowards of the day, just let that happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't want to offend anybody. Excuse me, do you not see those people with black outfits, black, black masks, upper middle class white kids, communists, socialists, avowed communists. This isn't even conjecture. This is actual people that say this is what they believe. They no longer have to hide it. You understand that? Well, when you invest in these companies, when your dollars go to these companies, you support it. You are telling them it's okay. Keep on stepping on my rights. Keep on pushing my values aside. And I just think somebody has to stand up. I think the Bud Light controversy is perfect. I think you have to squish Bud Light. I don't mean that in a, in a physical way, but I, I mean financially just cease to buy them. Don't let them go to your bars. Take down their, their free, you know, they give you that stuff for free, right? The, the signs that go in the windows of the bars, Coors Light, Bud, Budweiser, they all, those are free. And the, the beer establishment, the bar, the, the pub, they, they like that stuff because it makes them look cool. And they don't have to pay for those items. So they're free. And then they hand out towels. I've been to Super Bowl parties at some of these places. They're a lot of fun. And the Budweiser girls come along and they real pretty ladies and they, they hand out t-shirts. No, no. You have to turn away Bud Light and say, we're just not going to drink it anymore. Bye. You're not welcome in our establishment. See ya. And if the bar owner doesn't have courage, you guys do. If the restaurant doesn't have courage, you walk out. You see, when one or two people do it, they call you annoying. When one or 200 do it, they say, oh, this is a movement. The left is better at organizing and they will take your money. They have no problem taking your money. The Drew Barrymore's, the, the Melissa McCarthy, funny lady. My gosh, she's an amazing actor. Uh, sorry. You're a pig. You want kids to be groomed by drag. Go, go be a drag queen. I don't care. There, there, there's been shows in, in Vegas for years that I know of, maybe decades. La Caja Fall. Remember that? Go, go, go watch that if you want. I never cared. I never picked on those people. I didn't want to, them to not have a home or, or a job. They, they can do whatever they want. But you don't get to go to elementary schools and libraries. You don't get to go to junior high or high schools. And push your your values. It's twisted values. Now listen, adults can have twisted values, but you don't get to push them on children. You just don't. That's not called cool. That's not fair. That's not nice. I don't know. You want to pick the word, pick the word, but that just doesn't work. But guess what you guys keep doing? <laughs> you guys will keep spending money. You go buy your Nike tennis shoes. Go buy them today. They fit great. Yeah, they do. They'll said the little Chinese hands that made them. They should fit wonderfully, said those poor little kids. Right? You, you call that okay. 
Oh, uh, human rights, human rights. But I buy my little, my little electric car. Yes, I do. Um, solar, solar, solar power. Yes, solar power. You have little minor children whose hands are making these things. You have people who are dying at in their 30s and 40s from the toxic waste and chemicals so that you can drive a fancy brand new electric car. Wow, good for you. You're so woke. I can't believe it. Check that box at the store. When are you going to stand up and say, this is just ridiculous. My values have to line up with my spending. So many of you forget that. Grab a pen and paper. I want to give you a couple of things real quick. As you do that, we have an event coming up Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. May 7th, 10 a.m. in Glendale. It's the Baby Boomer Dilemma. You guys have heard that movie advertised here on my show many times in the past. We love it. The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's a great show. Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. If you'd like to attend, let me give you the phone number. It's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. The Baby Boomer Dilemma. All right, continuing where your values and your money should line up is not just in retirement. It's now. While you're working, while you're spending money for your... Sorry, kids. We're not buying Nike tennis shoes anymore. But mom, the kids at school, sorry. That's just not what we're going to do. Well, why? Well, let's sit down together and take a look. You know, it's interesting when, when New Balance tennis shoes... And this is not an advertisement for or against any tennis shoe... I told you last week what I did. I took an entire basket, uh, sorry, a trash bag full of my Nike tennis shoes, old ones, new ones, great ones. And I threw them away. Courage has to cost something. Standing up has to mean something. If it's free, if it's easy, you understand what happens. It means nothing. If it's free and easy, it means nothing. That means nobody makes a difference. That means you just get to feel, ready? Feel. Like you made a difference. You don't make a difference, but you feel like you made a difference. And I'm not saying it always has to cost a lot, but it does have to cost something. Friends, sorry. People looking at you, calling you an agreeable person, right? Women, you guys know this. Oh, sweetie, just sit there and smile. Just be agreeable. (laughs) I have three sisters and a daughter, a mom and a wife. You tell me if they were agreeable. They stood up for themselves. Not always, not every time, but they did, and they made a difference. That's not how we raised our daughter. What about you? Right? You're a 47-year-old guy, and you're, quote, agreeable. How horrible of that, to be that kind of a person. Right? Oh, Aaron, if you don't understand, I have a mortgage. I have kids. I have debt, student loan debt. Yes, I do. I'm sorry. Why do you think people are moving? They don't want their tax dollars going to the state of California. Why do you think people are spending money in other states? You guys have to stand up. This is your money. You worked for it. Regardless of what President Obama says, you didn't build that. You didn't build that. You didn't build your business. Or the lie, and yes, it's a lie. I'll debate anybody at any time because I think about these things before I say them. I research these things before I say them, but the phoniness of it takes a village 
is a dishonest socialist idea that comes from Africa. Yes, it does. Sorry. Many, many places, you don't even know who your actual birth mom is. You call any woman of the, the man in the family, right? He has three, four, five, six wives. You don't even know who your actual birth mom is. Everybody is everybody's mother. The village would raise you. You can say, oh, Eric, that's not how I mean it. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. You can, okay. Then don't say it. Don't say it. Because something has a connotation that has now become a socialist mantra that you don't own your children, that you should let a school teacher decide the values of your child, a principal, an administrator, Decide the values of your child. You know, somewhere, somehow, that just doesn't seem right. You know that. You know it deep inside. Women, you guys have the thing that most of us don't, guys don't listen to. It's called intuition, right? Women's intuition. You guys have women's intuition. Ladies do. Men, we call it our gut feeling. You can call it whatever you want. But the reason most of us men are wise to trust our ladies' gut is simple. It's almost never wrong. Just almost never wrong. Sometimes it's off a little bit because there's more data that needs to come in, but something is wrong somewhere. So guys, you know that. You know standing up for nothing, sitting in these silly uh, DEI and ESG boardroom meetings and, and, and conference meetings. You believe that? They're sitting. Imagine for a minute if black Americans had to sit in a room and listen to racist mantras from the 1840s. Women had to sit in a room and listen to sexist mantras of the 1930s. Suffrage movement. Ha! You don't need to vote. You're not that smart. What would you say, women? What would you say? You guys would. Oh, listen, just sit in the room and don't make any waves. And it's the white Christian middle-class male that's sitting in that room who's going, yes, I'm dirty. Yes, I'm evil. I don't even know. If I don't even know, if I can't even say that I'm privileged, I must be privileged. If I say I'm not a racist, it means I'm even more of a racist. You realize black Americans wouldn't stand for that today. Asian Americans wouldn't stand for that today. Uh, imagine if they took a group of students at any of the UC schools, Asian American students, sat them in a room and said, okay, I want to tell you what you're capable of. It's a laundry. It's landscaping. What a racist thing to say, isn't it? They wouldn't stand for it. They go, you're crazy. We're normal people. We're human beings created in God's image. And yet some of you will still sit in your business meetings. I know it because you tell me about it. You come into my office and you say, Eric, if you wouldn't believe it, I had to sit through a two-hour meeting and sign and say, yes, I am a racist. Yes, I am. What? Five years ago, you would have stood up in front, just like Peter, right? You would have stood up in front of a a bullet bullet, uh, train and said, that is not going to happen, Christ. I shall not deny you three times. And yet, when the stuff hits the fan, you turn around. Oh, well, I got I to gotta have a job. It's, it's four years till retirement. I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry to beat you up for this because I just don't want to be that guy. 
But somebody has to beat you up. Somebody has to tell you, come on now, stand up. And some of you are. It's incredible. I love the stories. Some of you are talking about how this has pushed you to start your own business, how how this has encouraged you. You're a gay conservative and it's encouraged you to come out of the closet, not as an, a, gay Amer- uh, a gay individual, but as somebody who is conservative, right? Some of you tell me, <laughs> some of our, our gay clients, you wouldn't believe it. They, were, they are more afraid today to come out as a conservative than they ever were to come out as gay. Can you imagine that? That goes to show you how non-prejudiced, uh, I guess, of a country we, we really ever were. Okay, listen, in that town, in that state, in that community, I get it. I get it. Yeah, it was tough. And and I will never know, thank goodness. I don't want more tough things in my life. I have enough. But what about the ideas? The ideas, the thoughts. And you have to sit in a room and listen to people tell you your thoughts are something that they aren't. Huh, does that make sense to you? Where's the courage? Oh, Eric, listen, if you're an atheist and you're part of a Christian company and you say, I don't want to pray uh, Monday at 745 to 8 o'clock before we start at 8 o'clock, I'm not interested in coming in early, guess what would happen? Nothing. Because the moment you say, I'm going to sue, it's over. They, nobody will make you show up at 745 for, an eight, you know, for a prayer meeting praying before everybody hits the, the manufacturing floor. There are some companies that actually have that. Believe it or not, there are some presidents that actually have that. Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush. Hold, hold, on, to your, hold on to your seat real quick. Both hands on the steering wheel. Ready? And Donald Trump. I won't go into the details because it's his personal story, but some of you know he's a believer. It's great news. I heard from the lady that brought him to Christ. It's another story. You don't have to be a Christian. You could be Jewish. It doesn't matter. But what if somebody took you aside and said your values? I remember going to high school and uh, we had some African-American kids, some black children in our our, uh, high school. I think it was a history class, government class, whatever it was. They were talking about slavery. I remember after class... The young men in there said, that would never happen, man. I would fight. I would die before I would become a slave. That would never happen. I would fight. I would fight. And all of us were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would fight with you. And then I remember we were talking about the Holocaust and how they led these young families to the slaughter. And there were Jewish Americans in the class that would say, that would never happen. I would fight. I would die in the street. I would, I would take out one of them with me. I mean, they would... I would never walk quietly and peacefully down the hall. Now, what's the reason for that? Well, it's simple. Because you think it goes from zero to chains, zero to the gas chamber. It doesn't. It's slowly, slowly, slowly. And along that journey, your goal was to be, guess what? Agreeable. It's to be kind. It's to not make waves. It's to embrace with love. Love. I'm all for all of those things. 
I'm that guy. But nearly 11 years in the Los Angeles Police Department tells me a couple of things. One, the weak are always taken over by the strong, period. Doesn't matter the gang, the size. Little 98-year-old Asian boy gang members, they were called the Asian boys, 98 pounds, 98 pounds, 110 pounds, violent, brutal gangs in the San Fernando Valley. No problems, no problems at all. Going after bad, uh, going after people that were bigger, stronger, men, women, taller, other gangs. So it's not a size thing. It's an attitude. It's a willingness. And I don't mean this is a physical fight for you. It probably isn't for most of you. It's a courage. It's standing up. It's saying, I'm just not going to buy Bud Light. Imagine if you did that. I'm just not going to buy Nike tennis shoes for me or my children. Sorry, I'm going to throw them away. Oh, Arif, this was, you know, my wife's point of view. Arif, you already bought them. It's not going to affect them. You're right. It doesn't. But I never want to be caught wearing those shoes on me because it's a, it's an integrity thing. That's what it is. Yeah, but it's just, so it, it cost you money. Yes, it did. Yep, it sure did. Hundreds of dollars. Yep, hundreds of dollars. When New Balance came onto the, the scene and said, we will no longer build in China because of what China was doing, both in its manufacturing and its trademark and its intellectual property, I respected New Balance. So guess what kind of tennis shoes I bought? Right? I, I mean, it's not a secret. Do your research. See where they're made. See who made them. Right? The living wage people. Somebody's making all that money. For a $150 pair of tennis shoes, it certainly isn't the little children whose hands can fit down the middle of those seams. It's not little kids that make that happen. Right? So make sure. All right. Take care of yourself, guys. All right. Stay with me. After the break, I've got some information on inflation. How are we going to combat this high inflation that's coming down the road? There are things that you can do. I think you're going to be shocked at what I have to share with you on the actions that you can take to beat inflation. Stay with me after the break. I'm Arif Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Show. We'll be right back. Dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with me. The Total Financial Show. Hey, listen, we're talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. That's what it's all about. Those are things you have to take into account if you're attempting to try to manage your financial life up to and through and retirement the rest of your life. Or even if you're just in your 30s and 40s and knowing that retirement is still decades away, the goal of managing this next two to four years, I think that's it's going to be something like that, between two and four years. What is this new direction or wave that we're entering? 
It's the very high inflation wave. So what do you do? How do you manage it? What, what's the good, bad, and ugly that's going to happen in this process? Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I think you should manage. But before I do, there's a, a movie that we have coming up showing in Glendale on Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. I'd like you to show up. Uh, you're welcome to come bring a friend, bring a couple of friends. It's free, no cost. Uh, I think we're, we're uh, even going to have popcorn and, and snacks for you as well. So Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. Call for reservations for more information. It's 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. The Baby Boomer Dilemma, we're showing it Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. Call for more details as we continue. All right. I want you to think about this because this is a big part of what many of you are going to deal with in the coming, eh, I think, two, at least two more years. So let me give you my reasoning for coming up with the timeline of between two and four years. Uh, Frankly, it's just historics. Historically, we've looked at two things that have made a difference. One of those is very simple. It's the Jimmy Carter 1990s, now of course, uh, 1980s rather, uh, 70. 879 up until about 82 right it took reagan a few years to push stuff through the system to make some changes put america behind him uh, and they did really well and it was incredible and ronald reagan won re-election by a landslide i think that's the same thing that's going to happen but here's what i expect to happen with joe biden i think he will step down see the moment he announces for presidency the moment he becomes a, uh, either a candidate or a lame duck president. Both of those are a bit restricting. And because the people that manage him are weighing every day whether or not he has a chance to win, I can tell you they're considering just dumping him as a candidate. But what I believe, ready for this, I think he's going to step down. I think he's going to resign before the end of the year. Simple. I believe it. It's what I think. How come I say that? Very simple. I think so because in the case of uh, Joe Biden, I think he his corruptness, his family pressures, and we all know his health. Everybody knows. It's the only reason China's making a move. It's the reason France is leaving the United States as a protectorate, if you will. Now, they, they would hate it if I said that, but they know it. They're cowards. They've lost two wars. You know, 20, 30% of France are decent fighters caring about their country and and the rest don't care. They think getting along is better than standing up for something. And that's Macron. He'll do the same thing. Okay, that being said, what, what does that mean to you? Well, here, if Joe Biden steps down and Kamala Harris uh, becomes the president, which is the way it's, it's set up at the moment, I think what you will see is chaos in the markets. And I think inflation and fear is going to drive a lot of the decisions that people make. So here's what I expect to happen. All right. Because huge inflation is here and it's coming and it's going to be here for a while, which means it compounds itself. Right? So if it's four, five, six percent, seven, eight, nine percent year after year, it starts to compound. And before you know it, in six, eight years, the prices have nearly doubled. That's a big deal. So what do I want you to avoid? I want you to get out of and avoid variable rate interest rate loans. 
Okay, things like credit cards. Some of your mortgages are variable rate loans because it was easier to qualify because it, it was on a lower interest rate. But, but that interest rate is only for a period of time. You're betting on the future. If we're in a reducing interest rate environment and you have to use a variable rate loan to get into the home that you want or the business, whatever it might be, and you know you're going to refinance it in three or four years, but rates are going to probably be down in three or four years, then great, let's do that. That's what a lot of people are looking at going forward, except rates are going to be going up. So you avoid variable rate loans or refinance and get the heck out of them. Credit cards, those are variable rate loans. They can go higher and higher and higher. So get away from things that are consumer driven, things that you buy, you eat, disposable stuff. I don't like that being done on credit. Now, credit for an apartment building, commercial building, residential house, duplex, fourplex, real estate. I want you to consider this as an option because in an inflationary environment, rents go up. But if you have a 30-year mortgage or a 20-year fixed mortgage, guess what happens for 20 years? That's right. They don't raise the the price of your mortgage because it's fixed. But rents go up, don't they? So if you're going to be purchasing a home that you live in, right? My parents bought a house in 1976. All in the house payment was about $400 a month. That was a lot for them back then, a lot. 10 years later, that was about not almost a tenth of my dad's income. Well, boy, that's nothing. You can do that. But the inflationary period through the 70s and early 80s was huge. But when you have a 30-year mortgage, it stays the same for 30 years. Okay. What else do I think is going to happen with cars, automobiles? I expect a few big things to happen. The first is you're going to expect to have, oh, probably six, maybe 10-year loans, right? Remember when you used to walk into a car dealership, and this is for my my friends in their eh, 50s and 60s, certainly 60s and 70s. You'd walk into a car dealership. You say, hey, how much is that blue car right there? And they said, oh, that one over there? I said, yeah. They say, well, it's $4,700. You go, oh, $4,700. Okay, got it. Today, you walk into a car dealership and they say, you say, hey, how how much is that blue car over there? He says, oh, well, how much can you afford a month? What do you want your payments to be? Well, well, that's not what I'm asking, uh, sir. Uh, How how much is the blue car? They said, well, what do you want your payments to be per month? You see, because they can decide the payment and the time. So if you say, well, I want my payments to be $400 a month, they go, no problem. It's a 19-year loan. And you go, wow, I guess I can buy a Ferrari. (laughs) You make that payment for the rest of your life. It's how we used to buy houses, how we still buy houses. But we used to buy houses differently. Hey, how much is that house? It's $26,000 for the house. You go, okay, great. I'm going to still work. I'm going to save money. And then along came these 30-year mortgages. Well, before that, you realize there were 10-year mortgages, 5-year mortgages, then 15, then 20. Now they're 30-year mortgages. You see, home mortgages, the reason a 30-year mortgage exists, because by the time a young man, which is the way it was, ladies, would finish high school, finish his education, start an apprenticeship, 
learn a, t- a trade, go through two or even four years of apprenticeship and training, and then become a journeyman, and then save enough money for that $26,000 house with the 20 acres, save and save and save, and he would put half down and he would make payments over the next two or four years. By the time that was all done, right, the guy was in his 30s. So they said, listen, you can get into that house a little earlier. Now you only have to save a little bit of money and we will give you a 30-year mortgage and you'll be done by the time you retire. You see, they generally say a male's brain isn't really developed until he's about 26 or 28 years old. Well, that's about the time that he would be married, buys a house, settles down. 30 years plus 30 years old, you're now 60 years old. Right? So that that was on purpose, that, that window of time, because you didn't move. You had one house, you moved once, and you're done. You, you added on to the house, you built another home in the back, you, you built a barn, whatever it was you were doing, even in modern day suburbia, you just didn't move. Maybe once, but usually not. Now today, it's different, isn't it? People are just saying... How little money can I put out of my pocket to get that house? Because in five or six or seven years, I'm going to move again anyway. I want the bigger house on the hill, or I'm going to buy and move downtown, or I like to live in the city. And so as those changes were coming, people were making different decisions on how to finance their home. What's going to happen with this high inflationary environment? I think they're going to go back, and this is what they did in 05, 67, 678. They were doing 40-year mortgages, 50-year mortgages. I even saw one in 07, I think it was, 2007. I saw a 90-year mortgage. Oh, yeah, you get all the tax write-offs, but you're renting, basically, because you're never going to pay it off. That's not the goal. The goal is to just pay this month's payment. So I think automobiles are going to go, cars, I don't know, six, 10-year loans. Look at the fancy electric cars. Some of them are 10-year loans right now because they're $120,000, $140,000 cars. <laughs> who, who can afford a $140,000 car? Oh, oh, the upper middle class uh, liberals, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, those people. Because they, they're mad at you for driving a diesel truck or, or a gas-powered vehicle. Yeah, that's your fault. So what they do instead is they... They go and buy their electric car, which, by the way, has to use gas and and, uh, energy to charge the grid. Okay, that's a bit hypocrisy, isn't it? Remember what I said about courage? You're going to stand up. I understand some of you are going to say that, oh, oh, Eric, I just don't want to make waves. That's okay. You know how many people... There were decent people in Germany that didn't stand up, in Italy that didn't stand up, in Poland that were Polish that didn't stand up. Now, I'd venture to say very few in Poland because they're generally a very brave, honorable group. But there were some that just said, I got life pretty simple right now. I've got it pretty good. So what else do I think is going to happen? Well, remember, avoid credit cards, especially variable rate loans avoid car loans of any length of time, get those cars paid off because they go down in value, right? You understand that? 
Cars don't go up in value. Very, very few of them do. And usually you have to hold them for, for 30 or 40 years. I want you to avoid, ready for this, home equity line of credit. Some of you have a HELOC loan, a home equity line of credit loan that has $100,000, $300,000 in available credit. You need to decide, check with your financial advisor, you need to decide, is it worth keeping that loan? Should I take money out and put it in the bank? Should I take money out and invest it? Should I take money out of it and pay off bad credit card debt? Those are all choices and options that you're going to have to make. I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I think in general, like everything on the show, it's something for you to consider. Ready? You don't take money out of a house to pay for and get your pen and paper ready because here's the list. You do not refinance your mortgage or take a home equity line of credit, which is a second mortgage, to pay for college for your children or yourself. You don't do it to pay for a car. You do not do it to pay for a credit card or consolidate your credit card debt or your student loans from the days of, you know, days past or vacation. I've seen those. You don't because you're, you're taking a permanent or very long-term solution to a very short-term or a temporary problem. See, rich people are rich because they line up their expenses, their debts, their assets. They line them up so that they equal each other. So if you refinance the house and you're going to pull money out, well, you better buy an equal or better asset, meaning an apartment building or a house or a duplex rental property, not a vacation property where you're going to go and live in, but something that's going to generate income, wealth, Right, so Eric, if I have credit card debt, you go work three jobs like I did. Oh, but I need break. No, you don't. If you're under the age of fifty, you don't need a break. You need to work. I, I'm sorry, it's it's mean, but but I guess I'm really not sorry. Right? I mean, I'm sorry that that's the way you were raised to feel that way, but you shouldn't. You should go well. There's nothing in the Bible or the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or the Torah or or the Quran, whatever you might look at. That says, Arif Halaby can only work Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Martin Luther King, the President's Day off. Uh, take a day off for his birthday. When you have a, a kid, you should have three, day, three months off, and your employer should pay for it. Remember when, I was ta- when this whole Family Leave Act was coming, and people said, oh, Arif, you don't, they should allow the, the mom to stay home with the baby. Yes, okay, go for it. I, I think that's wonderful. But it's not the employer's job to pay for that, right? It's your job. It's you're the one that decided to have a baby, not me. Why would the employer have to pay for it? Well, Eric, you don't, okay, look, let's be clear on this for a second. What will happen is employers will not hire women of childbearing age or, oh, I've got a boyfriend, which means a marriage and then having a kid is generally the process. I told you that was gonna impact society. Surprise, guess what? Yep, it's the way it's going to be. They decided to create this lifestyle where people over and over and over again are, are looking at their employer as if it's a bank account. 
you need to realize if you're going to do that, then the employer is not going to pay you very big wages because the, the single person over there that works overtime can't be paid more money if you think you're supposed to get paid the same because they have to keep cash and reserves to pay for the time when you're gone for three months and they have to pay you. Oh, and then at the same time, ready for this, they have to pay somebody else to do your job because the job still has to get done. So I'm paying two people to do one person's job. That's important. You understand that it is just math. It isn't being mean. It's not that it's not fair. I think if you want to have a family and God willing, you do that. You, you have to plan for it. It isn't anybody else's job. I don't know why you think the employer has to plan for that. You see, because when inflation is here and you're at home and, and you still, and then you use credit card debt because that's what people do, right? That, that was me. I took time off. I tried to start a business. I failed in my first business. And when that happened, I had to go into credit card debt. Yeah, that stinks. Nobody wants to do that. I, I know what it's like. Why do you think I had to work many jobs and sleep in my car? Right? It's a very tough go. Not because I didn't have a house. I'm not saying I was homeless. It's just that in order to work two jobs and get back and forth or three jobs, it was an hour and a half each way from my work to my house. So I couldn't spend those three hours traveling because three hours times $13 an hour, which is what I was making part time every day, that's $39. $39 times five days a week, ready for this, it's almost 200 bucks. And that's 800 a month. And that was almost my house payment. So I just figured, how often can I make it to get out of this hole? So when I share this with you, it means that it's a years, years with an S, long process for some of you. If you're going to go in to refinance your house with a variable rate loan, which is what most home equity line of credits are, then you will be paying for that forever. And it will eat up your wealth. Your wealth. The, the thing that you're supposed to shoot for, right? To be big someday. So avoid those things. Uh, I think part of what you want to look at is if you need a car, listen, we still need cars. We like cars. We want to travel we want to live on, in automobiles with, with uh, the way we travel and live and drive around and be safe and all the things that we do, then ask yourself this. If that's what I'm doing with my car, then how do I afford the best car for the least amount of money? I'm telling you they're going to go six to 10 years, maybe longer in some of these cars. That's a very long time. So run around and find a car that's similar to the one you have or that you want to buy rather and find it. Look at a 10-year-old car. And then look at that 10-year-old car and say, would I make the same payment for the next year on that car that I would on a brand new car? Because you're going to make the same payment, right? It's the same at the beginning as it is at the end. It's called a fixed payment. But now it's a 10-year-old car with all the problems that come with a 10-year-old car. Things leak, things squeak. There's a problem here, a rip in the upholstery there. So would you be willing to make that same payment? That's what you have to look at when you think about a car. What is another thing that you can do to take advantage of this high inflation that's coming? 
You heard me say, I want you to use your money, your savings to buy assets, things that go up in value. That's fixed things like real estate. But I want you to have income, income that has the potential to increase over time. That is powerful, right? Think about this. When you were young and you were working in high school and you made $1,000 a month, or maybe you didn't, but you just said one day, one day, if I made $1,000 a month, I would be rich. I would be, this is pretty amazing, $1,000 a month. Man, I could, I could do anything I wanted, right? Time goes on, you earn $1,000. You go, eh, it's not really 1000 I thought my life was going to change at $1,000 a month. It has to be 5000 So when I make $5,000 a month, my life is golden. It is a home run and on and on, right? Uh, And then that doesn't happen. So I think you're going to keep chasing this. So why not learn how to manage what you have? That's the key. And the way you do it is through something called dollar cost averaging. At your work, at your job, okay, where you are employed, even if you're self-employed, if it's your own business, I want you to consistently save each and every month. And if you're doing that, The market, the risky place in the market could be a good option for you. It goes up, down, up, down, up, down. Well, guess what you're doing? You're buying, 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 buying. Because when the market is down, you're buying more shares. That's great. That means what you're doing is accumulating more assets. I like that. Because if you have that ability to accumulate more assets, you realize that you have the ability to build, increase, and improve. Stay with me. Your wealth, that is the goal. You see, poor people want to make a lot of money. Rich people want to be wealthy. Those are two separate things. You ask the poor mindset. This is mindset, by the way. This isn't money in the pocket. You ask the poor mindset person, he says, I want to pay raise. I want to make more money. Minimum wage. We should raise minimum wage. Raise minimum wage. You ask the rich person, he says, well, let's get value for our money and let's become wealthy. How do we do that? Two separate conversations that lead down two separate roads. Now, they're going to intertwine. They're going to go back and forth over each other now and again, these roads. But they're two different destinations. Plan to be wealthy. Buy things that are going to go up in value with inflation. Dollar cost average in your retirement account, which means you're putting the same amount in each and every month, each and every two weeks. And avoid bad debt, things that go down in value. Stay with me after the the top of the hour. I have your emails. Some very interesting ones. I think this one uh, particular might you might find fascinating when we come back. I know I did. The Total Financial Hour, 888 retire I'm Eric Hallaby, 888-997-3847. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn 
Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Total Financial Show, your place for news, talk, and information. Your family is always welcome to listen to the show. Our goal is to bring you truth, uh, unfettered truth, and, and basically meaning uh, sometimes it hurts. I, I'm not sure the right answer, but you know sometimes people forget that when it comes to facts, when it comes to the truth, when it comes to making a decision on what you and your family should do financially, often uh, the the right answer is sugarcoated. It's kind of hidden. It's there's games played with it. I want you to remove that. I, I told my kids, look, I, I'm sad. I wish that you grew up at a time that I did. Right? I, I was able to reach my mid fifties. We had basic harmony in this country. We had a few riots, uh, of course. As a police officer, I went through that. But generally speaking, I got to play outside. I got to be a uh, a kid, travel the country. Most people are decent people in this country. I think they're just afraid, right? Every time uh, they, they stand up, they, they get squished down, uh, right? A, a side commentary before I get to your your emails. Uh, I want to share with you, this is what I think China is going to do. China uh, is going to attempt to overtake the United States. They're doing it in multiple ways. They're do, doing it through sabotage. They're doing it through taking over the internet. They're doing it through making sure that you and I have no access to, to real information, right? They take the real information that you and I receive and then they just bury it in 1,265 Google searches. So the truth is in there, it's just buried. They put a lot of junk on top of it. They don't have to remove good information. They just have to bury it and that's what they're doing. I think they need you and I to be their servants. I, I don't know of a better way, but our job is to manufacture things for them. It's to produce goods and services for them. It's to ship overseas the best quality meat and vegetables and to leave leftovers for us. And our job is to serve them. That's why they own the ports. That's why they bought the Panama Canal. That's why they own all the, the resources, the natural resources throughout Africa. Central America. That's why they have people. Sometimes they'll say, you know, sleeper cells. I don't know about that. I just know that there's uh, Chinese businessmen and women all over the Caribbean, Central America. I know when I spoke to police officers in one of the Central American countries, I said, you guys, uh, I see Chinese businessmen everywhere. He said, yeah, they own the big supermarkets where all the fresh fruits and vegetables come in. They own the ports, the fuel depot. They own the trucking businesses that bring that to our location. And then behind the store, they built a palatial mansion. And they import their beautiful cars. And they associate only with each other. And they drive their cars to the back of their buildings and they pull them in. And they have an amazing mansion behind the land that they purchased in the middle of the jungle. In these beautiful areas, swimming pools, indoor this, this, this. Schools for their children that only attend with other Chinese children. And I said, but you guys aren't worried about that at all? It doesn't sound funny. He goes, Eric, when the police department needed new cars, guess who bought the cars? When the police department needed new uniforms, guess who bought the uniforms? When the Ministry of Defense wanted a new whatever, guess who just bought it for him? He said, do you figure it out yet? So then I asked the second country I went and visited. We were on a cruise. And the third country that we visited and I went, interesting. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen next. But I know you have to stand up. 
you have to be clear that the Chinese Communist Party is a corrupt organization and their goal is to not destroy the United States, but to buy off its leadership. Right. That's why. Why do you think they keep trying to get them to take away your guns? Switzerland couldn't go in. Uh, Germany couldn't go in and take over Switzerland. You guys know that, right? Every man, woman and child above the age of, I don't remember, 12 or 14 years old had to have and be proficient in a handgun and a shotgun or a rifle of some sort. That was Switzerland. Why do you think Germany went around Switzerland? <laughs> Didn't want to take on every single man, woman and child of, of uh, above the age of 12 and fight them, right? All you have to do is win the hearts and minds of the politicians. They'll do the dirty work for you. All you got to do is win the hearts and minds of the police officers and the military. They'll do the dirty work for you. Ask France or Poland or Germany. They did the, it wasn't Germans walking around. It was, we'll pay you and you guys enforce the law on your citizenship. It's no different, right? China understood that. So as Germany took over, they just had to control the leadership of the different countries. Well, China is the same way. It doesn't have to control every man, woman, and child. It just controls the choke points. It controls the ports, food, diesel, farmland, and then the police, the leadership, the judges. They'll do the dirty work for them. So, so it's not a... I mean, it's not a mystery. It's not like, whoa, that's far-fetched, Eric. That is what's going to happen. It's what's happening. Now, how far will our leaderships, will anybody stand up? Is anybody courageous? Maybe it's just Mr. Trump. I don't know. Maybe Ron DeSantis will be that person. I don't. We know it's not the Bidens. The Bidens are corrupt. They're sold out. It's over. We know they have, there is something on them. I don't know what. I mean, we all have ideas. We've seen the laptop. We've seen the emails. But we'll see. I think you're going to see multiple times across the board. People like you and me and others are going to have to make a choice. And whatever that choice is, well, you're going to have to have the consequences to that choice, whatever they are. So just kind of keep that in mind. All right? There's always consequences. Good, bad and ugly. My biggest argument against helping the people in Ukraine is friends of mine that live in uh, that part of the world made it very clear. Arif, the men of fighting age have flocked away from their country. They have abandoned Ukraine. I'm like, what? They said, oh, yeah, the, the people in Ukraine that are supposed to be fighting, you understand they've left. They took their money. The people of middle class and upper middle class means sold off their stuff gave it away, whatever they did, and they bought homes in other countries. Poland, even Belarus, you know, frying pan into the fire. I don't expect you to be able to find even these countries on a map. That's not an American thing. My point is, with the recent leaking of the 21-year-old who had top secret JSOC type, info, I don't know, man. Well, something's broken somewhere, guys. You had a 21-year-old handing out information on a gaming chat room. Thing. Oh, my gosh. You don't think China has permeated those places? They have all of Hillary Clinton's emails. You know that, right? That's why it's been buried. Everybody knows, including President Trump. The damage would have been so enormous to this nation 
it's the reason they didn't release it. But everybody knows, but you can't confirm it. Okay, whatever, like COVID. I think you guys have to realize you got to take care of yourself. You do. You have to have income. You have to have assets. Be away from bad debt. Build your own wealth. Help others, your family, the people close to you. I think that's the way we're going to get through this craziness. Vote. Sit on the school boards, the water boards. You've heard me talk about courage for a long time. Going forward, I'm going to want you guys to do this. Here's my email address. Arif at TFSWealth.com It's Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com Tom Frank Sam, TFS, stands for Total Financial Solutions. Okay, TFSWealth.com Wealth isn't a lot of money. Send me an email. Here's why. I want to hear about your courageous moves, things you did. I've talked about courage long enough. I want to hear your results, things that you've done, what you did, how you stood up, uh, maybe some of the consequences. I expect to hear those. Some of the bad things that happened. I'm sorry, but it happens. I'd like to hear that. I want to find out about in your world what it is that you're doing to be and maintain and to be a proud American and to and to have courage in what you say and do. Let's hear about that again. Again. Uh, also, your other questions, your other emails, I'd love to have those keep coming at Arif, A-R-I-F, at T-F-S, wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, wealth.com. All right, here's an email. Uh, this is important because I think this couple uh, is going to epitomize a lot of you guys, a lot of us that are of this age and, and this age bracket. I think enough of you don't realize that there's a lot of things changing in our financial world and we have to make adjustments, all right? This autopilot life that many of us have been living for 10 or 15 years is not the same going forward for the next 10 or 15 years. Okay, here's Helen and George. Here's Helen. Dear Arif, my husband and I have been retired for 10 years. We are both 76 years old. We would like to be sure we will have enough money for our future but we do have a big concern. We spend, we have spent a lot of money, a lot more than we expected our first few years of retirement. And I believe it may have been a mistake. First, we bought an RV right out the gate. We both always wanted to travel this great country of ours, so we splurged on a beautiful RV. Instead of buying the one that was certainly adequate, I think much more than just adequate, we instead bought one that was more than $300,000, and that was a huge mistake. My husband has always wanted to have a nice motorhome, so he thought this one was the best. And of course, I did not object that loud either. Well, that extra $1,100 per month in payment was significant, but we had more than uh, $1.5 million in our retirement account at the time. What people, especially our old financial advisor, failed to stress was that we never had to take money, uh, that, sorry, that every time we had to take money out of our account to pay the payment, that it actually cost us $1,800 a month. Taxes don't ever seem to go down. The stock market went down under Joe Biden, and with the president's inability to observe the effects of inflation, those two things 
have dropped our account well under $1 million right now. All right, I'm going to pause for a second here. So here's what she's saying. $1,100 a month is the payment. But when you pull it out of a retirement account, it's income. Just like your car payment and your house payment. But people forget. They see $1.5 million, They think they have $1.5 million in a savings account. One of the biggest mistakes people make in retirement is they think their retirement account is a savings account. That is not the case. A retirement account is another way to have job income. So they had to pull out $1,800 a month, pay $700 in taxes to get $1,100 a month. And every time they put $1,100 a month in that RV, as beautiful as it is, it goes down in value every single day, a lot more than $1,100 a month. So as the RV has gone down in value, not only are you paying $1,800 a month, but you're probably getting maybe $900 in value, $800 in value. So you're losing thousands of dollars a year in wealth. Okay, let's continue. Now that we know that their account is under $1 million. All right, we're still in our mid-70s. Now that we've sold the RV and we lost an additional $10,000, we are not sure what to do next. Here's my caution to other listeners, and it is to remind them that the payments made to to items in retirement that come from retirement accounts still have income taxes as part of that withdrawal amount. So here's my question to you, Arif. Do you think that if we dedicate $600,000 towards our future income needs and $200,000 for healthcare, that we will still be okay financially? And also for reference, here's what Helen and George say, guys. For reference, we have $125,000 in our savings account. Good job, guys. I like that. Rental property that's paid off. Wonderful. Okay, now here's their income. If you're, if you're following along, you want to have a piece of paper and pen, you can see how I do the math on this. Okay, here's their income. His pension is $3,800 a month, and his Social Security is $2,900 a month. My Social Security is $1,500 a month, and I have a small pension of $300 a month. All right, so our total monthly bills that we have, now that we sold the RV is $6,000 a month. Now that means after taxes, guys, don't forget that. So that gives us a savings of 2,500 a month compared to our income of 8,500 a month. All right, let's keep it simple. $8,500 a month comes in, $6,000 goes out. All right, that's 8,500 post-tax, also known as net. All right. Think of it when you go fishing. What's the difference between gross and net? When you go fishing, you have a net and it has holes in it. That's called taxes. The stuff that falls out the holes, that's tax. What you get to keep, that's the net. All right. What you get to put in your pocket. Okay. Uh, Helen finishes with her insurance. Their their health insurance uh, is from Motion Picture, which is one of the best health insurance plans around. At least today it is. And it gives both her and George lifetime coverage. Love it. That's very nice. Hard to be. All right. So here's the plan, guys. They have $8,500 a month coming in after taxes. They need to spend $6,000. Are they going to run out of money? All right. Here's their goal. 
Their goal is to be able to never run out of money for health care and to come up with the cost of inflation since they're in their mid-70s and we're at one of those uh, increasing, those accelerated time frames, right? We're accelerated where all of a sudden inflation is going to go higher and higher every year. Cost of goods and services, ready for this? They will be fine. So here's my solution. You don't need 600000 uh, for that. I, I think you can do 400000 for health care. And here's how I would do it. I would utilize what's called a hybrid plan. It's a life insurance long-term care plan. You're starting to see them everywhere now. At least a lot of people are talking about them. We've been doing them for 27 years. Here's what you need. I would take $400,000 for the serious health care program. About $150,000 each would go into a long-term care hybrid life insurance. It's called an indexed universal life plan. Now, I would utilize that in case one of you passes away. It nearly doubles it, right? So 150,000 each buys right around 300,000, maybe 250 to 300, tax-free. So the surviving spouse receives that tax-free because here's what we're going to lose when one of you passes away. We're gonna lose the lower of the two social securities. That's for sure. And usually the pension will lose a little bit as well. I'm not sure what, what option they chose, but sometimes in the pension, it's going to reduce a little bit when one of you passes away. And we always lose the lower of the two social security checks. So by taking $400,000, I would put a portion set aside for life insurance, long-term care. It gives tax-free income also later on down the road. And that leaves $100,000 for co-pays, for out-of-network, for experimental health care. Don't forget that. The way health insurance companies restrict care for you and I is by doing a couple of things. One of those is they start limiting more and more and more treatment. Experimental care or things that are just still relatively new. Things that cost more money. Right? That's a hard expense to have. And if it comes out of your pocket to go to a a treatment in Europe or experimental treatment that insurance doesn't uh, cover, well, tough luck. You're going to have to. And so I need you to make sure that you have money set aside for that. And if you don't, then what's going to happen? Well, I think you will not only run out of money, I think you could suffer financially and your health. I saw this with a friend of mine. He tried to go to Germany to pay for some treatment for his cancer. Um, and it, it didn't work. It, he didn't have a hundred percent shot at it anyway, but he took a chance. It was his life. And uh, the hundred thousand dollars that it costs for that experimental treatment and all the related costs, you know, flying there, staying in a hotel, all of that. Well, it was a huge hit to his wife's income after he passed away. It left her a lot less wealthy. In fact, nearly broke because of all the money that they tried and they spent along the way. So what else would I do? Well, I would separate the two, the money that's left over in the retirement account. I would separate it into two accounts. Okay, the first is a medium account. That means right now they're fine. They've got more money left over each month. But in five years, they may not be. So instead of saying, well, what's going to happen to our income in five years from now? Well, simple. If we don't do it right, 
in five years from now, you're going to have to start selling off stuff, downsizing, living somewhere else, cutting back, but not if we do it right. So here's what I'd like to do. I would consider 250,000 for the medium term. Okay. Something to be used in three to five years. That 250,000 in three to five years, that would give right around a thousand dollars a month, right around a thousand dollars a month. Now that's exciting because that's money coming in each and every month, thousand dollars a month. For the short term, I would have about $150,000, right? Or rather the short term, the medium term is the 250. The long term, long term is 150,000. All right. That's for 10 years plus down the road. So in the 10 years or plus down the road, if $150,000 with potential bonuses, interest, all of the extra stuff that happens, that's right around $2,000 a month, 10 years from now. Now I like that because that extra money, the 2,000 plus the 1,000 that comes from the other account, but sooner rather than later, that is enough to replace one of their social security checks. Because when somebody passes away, we're going to lose the $1,500 social security check. Don't forget that you guys, if there's one thing you get out of this email, this, this conversation with uh, Helen and George, it's this, when the, when one of you passes away, it doesn't matter who the IRS removes the lower of the two social security checks where the danger happens. If you both say, well, we both make $3,000 a month and we waited till age 70 to start it. Well, as long as you can live 15 years, 10, 15, 12 years, then you should have waited. Both of you did good job. And if you're healthy in 12, 15 years, but my problem is when you don't start it earlier, and I don't know if 62 or 65, whatever the age is for you, one, you got used to the higher amount, call it what you will, but people get used to it and they spend what they're used to. So if you each are taking or earning $3,000 a month in social security and one of you passes away, you just had a 50% pay cut. And all of those years from age 62 to age 70, you never got the money. So all of that cash is gone and gone forever, by the way. Right? I mean, it's not, it doesn't go to your beneficiaries. It doesn't go to your children. It's gone. So if we can delay taking money from your retirement accounts a little bit and there's money left over, that gets to go to your beneficiary. So if the goal is to take care of your kids, beneficiaries, somebody else, then wonderful. I want you to do that. What I don't want you to do is to think all of that money is just going to go away uh, to to somebody else. It doesn't. Well, it goes to illegal aliens. They're getting it and their families. So you've paid your whole life into social security. And if you pass away, they don't give your spouse your social security. They give it to illegal aliens and, and uh, people that say that they have six or eight children or that, you know, worked for 10 minutes in this country and then they're disabled and now they can't work. And I'm not saying some people it happens, but there's no way in heck that we should be doing what we're doing. And folks, in the city, sorry, the county of Los Angeles, I know this, You probably every county, I, I would bet, well, I'd probably bet my house on it. But I know for a fact, based on the mouth from the person who's doing it, that in the county of Los Angeles, they are giving 
health insurance, your health insurance, welfare benefits to illegal aliens. That is exactly what they're doing. And they do not verify how many children they have. They ask them, how many children do you have? And they say four. They go, great. What's their names? I can make up Manny, Moe, and Jack and Goofy. All of my four kids, there's their names. Put it down. Give me my money. Nobody verifies it. There just isn't enough people. And the county is forcing through a wink and a nod, through sometimes uh, hard conversations, through left-wing activists that are in the positions in county health, to give them your money, both federal and state funding. So don't think that the money goes to waste, he says sarcastically. So you better take care of you because you cannot count on the city, state, county. They're spending money left and right. All right, Helen, that's my solution. I want a medium account. We're going to start in three, four, five years and one that we're going to start in 10 years plus. Each of them will have a job to do, but we're going to also take care of your long-term uh, care and your and your life insurance, your health insurance, health care, if you will, through the hybrid plan. It's called a, a indexed universal life. I want you guys to consider that indexed universal life has a lot of versatility and it can make a huge difference in your life. All right, we're going to come back after the break, guys. Stay with me. I have another email. This is interesting. This is a younger couple in their thirties. Think about this. Can you still do something for your future, for retirement? If you're in your 30s, the answer is yes. So I'm going to answer that email when we come back. I'm your place for News Talk and Information. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Halaby. Stay with me. On your place for News Talk and Information. AM870, The Answer. This is the Total Financial Show. We'll be right back. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Arab Halaby, the total financial hour. Total financial show. Now that we have two hours, I got to remember that. <laughs> Total Financial Show, your place for news, talk, and information. I'm going to give you a couple of things. We have a uh, Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's a movie that's coming up on May 7th, Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. It's in Glendale. You're welcome to attend. It's free. Uh, we'll even give away popcorn and stuff. It's a movie about what's happening in the financial crisis, and it's interesting. We've been crying uh, about this uh, change that's coming and the influx of debt that the U.S. is building and the problems in the markets, et cetera, uh, well before the crash happened. In fact, this movie was done and in the can just before the crash happened, as if it was predicting it. And by the time it came out, it was edited and came out, it was right in the middle of this big crash that we're in the middle of facing now. So the baby boomer dilemma, it's about you, the 77 million baby boomers, people born between 1946 and 1964. 
right around 77 million people. I want you to know this. Every day, right now, today, 10,000 people turn age 65. That's a big deal. Same number is turning about age 60. Now, this matters. Because at age 60, you're allowed to pull money from your retirement accounts. Where are your retirement accounts? Normally, they're in the market. You see, when the reaction to COVID and the lockdowns occurred, COVID didn't do anything. You understand? It's the reaction to COVID and it's the lockdowns. When those occurred, what people did is they said, well, I guess I'm laid off or I can't work. I was going to retire at 68, 69, 70, but now I'm 64. I might as well start Social Security early. So people started pulling money out of Social Security before. So now they're not putting money in because they retired and instead they're now taking out. But here's the problem. Millions of Americans were putting money into Social Security every time they work. Every two weeks, money goes into the Social Security system. But here's what took place. It's crazy. They said, you stay home. You're not essential. So we're not going to tax you and put money into Social Security. We're just going to give you money. Yeah, we might charge you income tax later, but it has nothing to do with the Social Security, Medicare, nothing to do with state disability. We'll just give you this money. So now people spent two, sometimes three years not adding into the Social Security system. And you had people that had no business taking money out because they were early. They didn't want to. That's not what they wanted to do. And yet they had to. They were forced to. And then you had a, a country that was hiding all of the deaths to the vaccine. People that were hiding the ways to combat the flu, the bad flu. It was a bad flu, but it was a flu. I got sick. I got sick twice. The first time I took the wrong dose of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. I just didn't take enough. And by the time I did, it was too late. The doctor said, uh, I think it was eight days. And he said, well, you had five days to get it done. I go, oh, man, really? I thought it was 10. He said, nope, it's, it's five. So, you know, hold on to your horses. You're going to ride this baby out for a while. And I got sick. It took me a couple weeks. All right, I got back together. The second time I did exactly what the doctor said, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, Z-Pak, zinc, uh, vitamin B12, I think a couple things. Cocktails out there. It's out there on the web somewhere if they haven't buried it. And I took it, ready for this, 24 plus 12. That's 36 hours later. I walked as if I never had a thing. Now, Could it have been the beet juice that I drank every once in a while? Could it have been the shake that my wife makes me for breakfast? Could it have been, uh, I don't know. I'm telling you what worked for me and how quickly I was back to normal. My point is, that is science. Everybody talking and changing ideas and moving things around and creating ideas and conversations. Quote, consensus. So, They pulled all of those people. What's the financial consequence of that ignorance, of that left-wing values? It's nobody put into Social Security for two years. So guess what? Social Security was supposed to last until 2036. Now, I will bet you in no time, in just a few, eh, probably within a year or two, they're going to say Social Security will run out of money to pay 100% by 2032. I'm telling you, it's just a math problem. I've been saying it, and they said, oh, 
in the middle of COVID when I said, if they keep this up, that date's going to be moving. And it did. And then I keep this up. The date's going to be moving. And it did. And I'm 2032. So here's what happens so that you're clear on what happens with Social Security. It doesn't run out. It's not like, and Mary Jones of, of uh, you know, Riverside, California gets the last paycheck. No, it's not how it works. They just say, hey, everybody, we don't have enough money in Social Security to give you all 100% of what you're supposed to receive. So if your Social Security check is $2,000 a month, what they would do is give you around $1,400 a month. That is what's going to happen in 2032. It's not as if they run out and the last check is written. More money still keeps coming in. It's just not enough coming in to pay the bills. So the unrest that is happening in France, trying to raise the age to 62, right? Or 62 to 64, the craziness, everybody's screaming and yelling, burning stuff down. It is the communist and the socialist. There are also good people inside of those protests that legitimately don't want to change the age. Maybe those that are 59 or 60, right? Knocking on the door of change. Wow, now you're pushing the, pushing the goal post out a little further. That's not right. You're right, it isn't. But it's what happens sometimes in a system and a society when things go wrong. Sorry, somebody has to pay the brunt. Why do I think I keep telling you to save for yourself? Because eventually somebody's going to pay the price. I don't know who. Could be the younger people, could be the older people, could be people that are dead, right? They're going to take some of your assets. You thought you were going to leave it for your children. They snatch it and call it the government. So I, I just think you have to plan, have a plan B, and that is to take care of you and your family. And there isn't an earlier time to start than now. Whatever. doesn't matter how old you are, 20, 30, 40. It doesn't matter. You can start and start at an early age with good habits. You see, rich people have habits that are rich. They still have two eyes, two ears, two no, uh, one nose, two arms, uh, nothing changed 24 hours in a day. They have one mind, one brain. They can walk and talk. That's it. Two people, uh, rich people, poor people, they have the same things. What's the difference between that person and this person? It's simple. One does different things. They have different habits. You see, the bottom line with habits is this. If you think about something long enough, you do it. Now, depending on what it is. Some would say it's a microsecond for me to throw a baseball at you and for you just to reach your hand up and catch it. You didn't see it coming. You didn't know it was coming. And at the last second you see it and you grab it. Okay. So how long did you think about grabbing that baseball? A, a quarter of a second, a, a millisecond, and you grabbed it out of the air. Good job. You thought about it. You acted. Some of you, it's marrying somebody. You're going to think about it. You're dating for a couple of years. It's a long process. You think about it. You, you pray about it. You sit on, you, you contemplate, meditate, whatever it is that you might do. And you create it. Okay. This is the person that I'm supposed to marry. This is where I'm supposed to live. This is the job I'm supposed to take. Some decisions have a longer thought process. When it comes to financial habits, rich people think differently than poor people. They value different things. It isn't that one is evil. When I said the word rich, you, uh, some of you heard bad, some of you heard good. No, no, no. There's good rich people. There's bad rich people. Good poor people, bad poor people. Right? Uh, it's not what I'm saying. It's understanding 
that rich people value time, poor people value money. Rich people value experiences, poor people value stuff. Of course, rich people have stuff and poor people have experiences. It's not 100% of one and nothing of the other. It's where do you spend your time? You see, because if you think about something long enough, you do it. If you do things long enough and in a repetitive motion, it becomes your habits. Your habits make up your character. And your character is who you are. So if you don't like who you are, you have to go all the way back to, yep, what you think about, what you spend your time on. So the earlier we can catch you from the crazy life experiences that all of us have to have and the, the job experiences and the taxes and the penalties and the, 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 the mistakes we all make, the sooner you can get to a greater percentage, maybe just 51%, it doesn't have to be 99 right? 51% of the time you're thinking about rich things and then you move it up a couple percent every single year, 52, 58, 59. All right, then, then you have a good shot at becoming wealthy and ready for this, teaching your children the same. Okay, so here's an email from Heather and Justin. This is important because Heather and Justin kind of, it seems like they both wrote this email, but uh, Heather is a part of here, here's what she writes. Dear Arif, I am 30 years old. My husband is 37 and he's listened to your show for the past five years. Since that time, I've finished high school, married my husband, and I'm now expecting our first child. My question to you is this. How do we save money each month for our future and yet still have enough life insurance in case either of us pass away? I at least want enough money to saved before our life insurance runs out. We each have jobs, but I work from home. After I have my baby, I plan on taking some time off, about two months. My husband has a job that pays for all of our bills, but there is not enough money left over to, to save or to have a better future. He recently left his job of 13 years, right around eight months ago. And he still has an old retirement plan. It's called a 401k where he used to work. And it's about $128,000. He has a pay raise at our new job and will now put the maximum in his new 401k plan. We do have about 87000 saved in our savings account and $30,000 in a one-year CD, currently paying 4.5%. If he stops putting money into his retirement account, his 401k plan, then I can stay home and not work ever. But since I can work from home and my sister will help out watching our baby, my plan is to go back to work. Can you please give me some outline? Uh, can you please give me an outline of what you might do next? This is Heather and Justin. All right, guys, so so listen, a lot of our emails come from people in their 50s, 60s, 60s, 70s, right? So this is interesting. This is from somebody in their 30s, both of them, 30 years old and 37. And thank you, Justin, for listening for the last five years. Appreciate it. It's kind of nice. Uh, hopefully, you'll see some consistency. And when I have made a mistake or when I've said things that were incorrect, um, my goal is to bring it to your attention, to correct it. So that's my, my plan. I hope you saw a couple of those things over the last five years. 
All right. So here's what I want you to do, Justin. Think about it like this. Term insurance is very important, Heather, for both of you. If you are in your first trimester, Heather, you can usually qualify for health ins- uh, for t- uh, life insurance pretty easily if you're in your first trimester. Usually after that, the insurance companies will want you to wait until after you had the baby, usually postpartum, uh, maybe 30 days or so. So if you're in your first trimester, you can qualify for life insurance now, no problem. If not, insurance companies have figured that they're going to wait about a month until after the baby's born. And I would recommend no less than $1 million for each of you. That's important because in term insurance land, a 30-year term, term insurance means just for a period of time. Think of it like this, just like your car, right? If you didn't crash your car last year, does the insurance company send you a paycheck? A check? No. If you didn't crash your car, do they send you a check and say, hey, good good news, you didn't crash, here's the money? No. Your house didn't burn down, here's your last year's insurance premiums. So term life insurance is the same. If you have life insurance and you die, they pay. And if you didn't, God, thank God, then it usually goes to pay somebody else who wasn't as fortunate. So term insurance is just for the period of time or the term that you select. Could be 10 years. These ones that you see on TV, Jim, who's married with three children, has a $1 million policy for $14 a month. All right, look, it's a 10-year policy all the time. Always. Because it's the least expensive. So they hide behind what I would consider truth. The only time you would have a 10-year policy is if you have a 10-year need. For example, the goal is if something happens to my husband or my wife in the next three years, five years before the teenagers are done with college, and we're, our goal is to save for college, but if he dies, we don't have enough money to save for college. But in 10 years, college will be done. They're, they're 15 and 18 years old. They'll be done with college. So you get a 10-year policy. Covers you until all of them are done with school. After that, let it go away. Right? You're just buying a policy for a period of time. So the reason, uh, Heather, I want you guys to have a 30-year term insurance of a million dollars is one, because it's very inexpensive. And it buys time, 30 years, to build up your retirement savings. I would recommend rolling your old retirement plan, his old retirement plan rather, out of the market. Here's why. Because all it does is go up, down, up, down, up, down. You're rich, you're poor. You made it, you lost it. When your food, shelter, clothing comes from your job, then your retirement accounts can go up and down. I want that to happen. Because when it's going up and down when you're younger and you're working, you're accumulating more shares. That's called dollar cost averaging. You're buying, you're buying, you're buying, you're buying. Keep doing that. As you're accumulating those shares in your retirement account, time is your friend. Because you have 10, 15, 20 years before you're going to need that money. So what about the old retirement account? It doesn't have the advantage of buying and buying and buying. So the new retirement account 
Great job. He's putting the maximum in. That's thousands of dollars a month. I like it. Max it out. There's going to be a matching, right? The company will usually put in a certain amount, 3%, 5%, something like that. You get that free money. You're putting it in. Your old retirement account, we pick it up. We move it to a guaranteed fixed indexed annuity. We can get a bonus on it. Seven, six, five, eight percent bonus matching. You put in money, they put in money. Let it grow for the next five to 10 years. We can take it and do something else with it at that point. We can do that a couple of times between now and the time you're ready to retire, but without paying a fee, without losing it, without putting it at risk in the market. So realistically with us, you'll get between zero and 10%. That's the number zero, maybe as high as 15. That's the key is to build stability, multiple sources of income. I like that. Now, meet with your CPA or your tax advisor, your tax preparer, ask him or her, hey, should I have a Roth or should I have a 401k? What's the difference? Well, a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k is simple. If you put in $10,000 into this account, you pay tax today on that $10,000. When you retire, there is no tax under current law on that money or the interest. Done. Gone. That's a very good thing because I expect taxes to be higher later. I expect them to not be, uh, to, to means test social security. Meaning if you have another pension or you built up your wealth, I think they're going to pull back your social security in order to cover and pay for the illegal aliens that are in this country. And they're not bad people. Some of you, uh, I cringe when you say that, Arif. Listen, they're human beings, but they're still here illegally. And an alien is what you call uh, a, a visitor to a country. Y you don't like the words. You keep changing them. It looks like you now own Webster's Dictionary, so I got it. So you can change Webster's. But you're still in a position. Keep this in mind. You've got to be very careful. Illegal aliens are, are not bad human beings, but they just don't belong here. No more than I belong in Japan. Unless I fill out the paperwork, start a business, uh, marry somebody, whatever the rules are to, to become uh, somebody in Japan and, and taking from the citizens, right? The citizens are there. They, they've worked there for generations. What business do I have showing up in Tokyo and saying, hey, I want a house. Give me some food. Uh, no, I'm not going to work or produce anything, but just give me stuff. Thank you. Stuff. I want it. Thanks. Right? So I think they're going to go after you, Heather and Justin, because you guys are young and you're thinking about finances, so you're doing good. It's what you're supposed to do. But I think eventually they might pull back some of your social security. I see that as one of the options. People that have built up a savings account and it sounds like you guys are on the right track. So keep going. Okay. So here's what I would also do. <clears throat> I want you to think about this. You're young enough. And if I can catch you when you're young enough, so to speak, one of the other options is to consider opening a small business or becoming a business entrepreneur. I don't know exactly what both of you do. You didn't put that down and maybe it doesn't kind of work to, to be in a small business of that 
uh, you know, to start a small business of your career field, right? Working for the county or the city. You can't really have a small business that works for the county or city. Those are employee jobs. But if it's possible because you've already been trained and you have the habits of working from home, in other words, you have that discipline because it's not easy to do that. And you have that discipline. It might make sense, Heather, where you are the business owner person and Justin is the employee that has the health insurance, the steady job. Because if that's the case, then I would want Justin to put into a Roth 401k. Because the deductions and write-offs when you start a small business could be enough to offset any taxes he would pay today on his contribution. Okay, so that's important. I don't want him to just put money into the 401k Roth plan, right? The the post-tax money in your pocket. Got to pay taxes today if he doesn't have any other write-offs. So usually when you're young, you have children, and if maybe this is not going to be your last child, but it's your first, so you have young children, a house mortgage, business write-offs, hopefully. Well, that's when you have a Roth. Later on in life, the children would be grown, no tax write-offs. Most of the house mortgage is going to be principal, no house write-off. Right? Those are important things to think about. And hence, retired means you just don't have any business write-offs. So that's a dangerous time to have big chunks of money. We have to plan for that. And we work very closely with your CPA or your tax preparer, your tax advisor. We make sure that what we're doing works for them and, and what they're doing works for what we're trying to do. You want that integration. And if I can help guys at all, I'd love to see you guys in our office. You can always give us a call. 888-99-RETIRE. We do phone appointments too on occasion. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. And remember, Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. Call for reservations and more information. We have The Baby Boomer Dilemma, that movie, in Glendale, May 7th. I'm Arif Hallaby. Thanks for being part of the show. This is The Total Financial Show on AM870, The Answer. Bless you and have a wonderful week. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me, higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably, thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.